Alright, we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 through 24. Let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The Bible says that all men are like grass and all of, uh, and, uh, all of man's glory. Um, I, my phone just blanked out and so I got confused there. Sorry. The Bible says that all men uh, are like grass and all of his glory like the flower of the field. That uh, um, flowers fade away, um, but the word of God. The grass withers. Fl- I'm, all right. Hey, welcome to RUF. I'm pretty sure I can edit the podcast. You know what it says. Grass withers, flowers fade away. But the word of God stands forever. Certainly a lot longer than my words. Uh, Let me pray for us before we uh, mess up more. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word uh, never fails. Your word never has error. And so we are grateful for that. We thank you that you are a God who speaks and you speak perfectly. So, Father, would you do that tonight? Would you speak to us, to to us who are are hearers and we are very imperfect. So imperfect that we need you to work. We need you to open our ears that we might hear. But we trust that you will do that. And so, Father, we ask it and we look forward to it expectantly and hopefully in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, this might sound a little strange, but I've actually been thinking uh, a fair amount about the phrase, it's going to be okay. And I've been thinking about that phrase because it gets said so often at our house. Uh, you know, we have, we have three younger kids and with the reasonable amount of drama that is involved with that, uh, you know, when somebody skins a knee and they wail like they're about to die, you know, one of the things that, that I, maybe we most often say is, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Uh, when a toy gets snatched and it seems like the end of the world, uh, when things just don't maybe go right at school, uh, when you know whatever it is, whenever there's sadness or something, I have found myself over the last little while saying, it, noticing that I say it's going to be okay, it's going to be all right, and I think it's really something that we all want to hear, no matter how old we are, uh, when things are not okay. I mean, I think that's pretty self-evident. Uh, we want to hear that things are going to work out in the end. And then it's all going to be all right. And not only do we want to hear it, but we also want to believe that it's true. To know that it's not just a hollow saying, but that it's actually real. That things really are going to be okay. And I think, uh, I think that's basically what Paul is saying here to these Christians uh, in Thessalonica. Is why we call it Thessalonians. Uh, he's written this letter to this church. And the passage that we have is at the very end of the letter, 
And I think that's essentially what he's telling these Christians. It's going to be okay. It's what he's telling them and what, by extension, he's telling us. And it seems like if you, if you read through the letter, it seems like that he's telling them this because they're worried about a lot of things. Uh, they're concerned about, um, well, that, that things really are not okay. They're facing persecution just because of the fact that they're Christians. And so they're confused by that and worried about that. They're worried about the people that have already died, either by the persecution or, or in other ways. They're worried about them. Are they, going to, uh, are they going to be okay when Jesus comes back? Or are they going to be with God? They also seem to be worried about when Jesus comes back, both when he's going to come back and it seems like if they're, going to, um, if they're going to survive the judgment. And so Paul, you should read the rest of the letter certainly sometime, but um, Paul tells them a lot of great things throughout this letter, encouraging them. And at the very end, he gives them this benediction. Benediction writes, um, I guess that would be Latin for good word. He gives them this good word at the very end. And I think it's fair to sum up that he's basically saying it's going to be okay. And so as we have, of course, finished our Proverbs series, and as we're looking to head into the summer, I wanted to, um, I wanted to give you this good word. I wanted to give it to myself also. I think this is what we need to hear. Uh, that if you're a believer in Jesus, then you need to hear everything is going to be okay. So tonight I want to look at three things real quick. First, we're going to see that believers will get better. You're going to grow. Secondly, we're going to see that believers will make it to the end. And thirdly, we're going to see that God is the one that's going to do it. So first... Believers will get better. Look at verse 23. Paul looks at these people and and tells them, he says, the God of peace himself is going to sanctify you completely. All right, so what does sanctify mean? Very biblical word, but what does it mean? Well, it's the same root word. Uh, that we would, that we in other places might translate holy or holiness, and the basic idea is uh, something that's been set apart, something that's separate. And the idea behind that is that it's the, it's this idea that God is going to take the people that He has saved, people that have that have uh, expressed trust in Jesus, and He's forgiven their sins. That He's going to take those people, and He's going to set them apart from their sin. That he's, that he's going to grow them. Uh, really, we could say that what you see in the Bible is that the Bible talks about salvation sort of in three senses, or really in three tenses. Uh, in some places, the Bible talks about how God has saved in the past. He has saved his people. In some places, it talks about how God is saving his people. And then it talks about how God will save his people. And so when... In that sense of how God has saved people, 
Right? That's talking about how God uh, uses the word justification. Justified people. And it's the, it's, the, uh, it's the reality that what God does when He saves someone is that He takes their sin and He credits it to Jesus on the cross. And He takes Jesus' righteousness and He credits it to that person. So that they now have the righteousness of Christ. That's in their, in their standing before God. They're absolutely perfect and forgiven. Um, it's a justification is sort of a it, it's a legal term. Uh, it's a it's as if God it's exactly God making a declaration about somebody and saying you are now perfect. But in justification, nothing inside of us changes. Right when someone becomes a Christian, when they're saved. They're, they're still who they are. Yes, they're absolutely forgiven. But they still have, we still have sin inside of us. And so it's this concept of sanctification that the Bible talks about where that God is going to take that person and now make you into what He said is true about you. That He's going to grow you. And it begins the minute that someone exercises faith in Him. He's going to make us holy. And so what this is saying is that right, Paul is looking at these Christians and looking at us and saying, God is going to do this. You are going to get better. God is going to change your heart so that you begin to love him more and more. So that you begin to follow him. So that you begin to hate sin more and more. Uh, Calvin calls it, the in, quote the entire renovation of the man, and I thought that was I don't know that stood out to me for some reason that he talks about it in terms of renovating our insides. Certainly, if you live in Waco, you're no stranger to the concept of renovation, right? Um, it's everywhere, and, and we're we're glad for it. But think about what Fixer Upper does, Magnolia. I'm guessing you've seen the show, right? They take some house that's old and worn out and terrible, and they begin this process of fixing it up. They renovate this house, and right, you know, at the reveal at the very end, the you know the difference is is so stark. It's almost unrecognizable. I want you to hear the good news, the good word, that that is, if, if, you're, if you trust Christ, that process is necessarily happening inside of you. God is working to make you better. And I think that's good news. If you're like me, and sometimes you get discouraged and wonder if it's, am I growing? Am I getting any better? Do you ever feel like that? Because I can get, I can get discouraged when I think, like, I, I don't pray like I should. And honestly, I don't even want to pray like I should. And I don't even... Right, do, do I love Jesus like I should? 
I feel like having been a Christian this long, certainly I should love Jesus more than I do now. Am I getting any better? And I keep doing the same dumb stuff that I know I shouldn't do. And I get too frustrated with my kids. And I'm, I'm far uh, too often less than loving to my wife. And I keep doing these things. And it can be discouraging. And I'm guessing you felt it too. I just don't love my roommate like I ought to. Am I getting better? And I'm sure that that these people were feeling the same thing. Right before this passage, if you read it in context, Paul calls these people to do, uh, to to all sorts of of, um, positive things. He says, uh, a handful of them, he calls them to be at peace with one another, to pray without ceasing. And then he sums it up by saying, just abstain from all evil. He's calling them to do good works and put sin to death. And right on the heels of that, he says, but look, it's going to be okay. God is working in you. He is going to grow you. And so when you feel discouraged like that, right, this, I find this very encouraging. This truth comes along and it says, even if you can't see it like you want to, it is happening. One of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And it's saying essentially the same thing, that every day God is at work to make you better. And I think that's incredibly encouraging. Because sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. And now look, we need to be careful to say a couple things. First, it may not look like what you expect. God growing you, sanctifying you, it may not look like what you expect it to. He very well may not take away that particular sin that you really want to be gone. He might just let you struggle with it. He may not be growing you as quickly as you would like. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. Because God is getting ultimately at your heart and not just your actions. We tend to just look at the actions. But second, we need to, or second along these lines, we need to know that it's a process that's never going to be finished this side of heaven. And that's important. It's a process that's always and continually working. You're always grow, God is always growing you and making you better. But it's never going to be finished this side of heaven. Until Jesus comes back or we go to be with him. But that leads us, I think, nicely to our next point. So the second thing I want you to see is that believers will make it to the end. Look at the second half of uh, verse 23. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But one of the big things that Paul tells these, uh, these Christians in this letter earlier is that that Jesus is going to come back, that you haven't missed it. They seem, again, they seem to have been worried about that. And the implication is, uh, in, in some of the things he says, that, that when Jesus comes back, it is going to be a day of judgment. Uh, for the believer, it's going to be a, a wonderful day. Um, 
But it is going to be uh, a day. It's going to be a day where when Jesus shows up, he's going to bring justice. He's going to fix everything that's wrong. He's going to put things back the way that they're supposed to be. Uh, We could say it this way, that people are going to get what they deserve. But that means that for those that are outside of Christ that don't believe, and and particularly, uh, you know, the Thessalonians might have been thinking about those that were persecuting them, um, that those outside of Christ are are going to bear that judgment themselves. They're, They're going to be destroyed when Jesus shows up. And they seem to have a lot of questions about the details of Jesus' return. And again, it seems like they might have even been worried, like, are we even going to make it? When he shows up, will, will we be able to stand? And Paul is, Paul is telling them, he told them and he's telling them again, the good news is absolutely. When Jesus shows up, you are going to be kept blameless. So in other words, he's saying, You will make it. You will make it to the end. Uh, I have a friend whose daughter, uh, this was several years ago when she was really little, uh, she worried about everything. Sort of uniquely worried about things. Like uh, when she realized the concept that cars run on gas, if you don't have gas, every time they got in the car, she would just you know, freak out about the gas thing. They had to teach her how to read the gas gauge so that she would chill out about it. She worried about everything. So you can imagine the scene when she sat down for the first time ever to watch The Wizard of Oz. And as soon as she realizes that the tension of this story is that this little girl ends up way away from home and it doesn't seem like she's going to get back, she is a done, right? Like a basket case. And so you can imagine that, you know, uh, my friend fast forwarding it to the end and saying, okay, look, look, see here, this is the end. She makes it home. Okay. It's going to work out. She's going to make it home. And so now we're going to go back and she could lay down at least most of her worry because she knows, all right, I know how this is going to end. And I think that's exactly what Paul's doing for us, what God is doing for us. He's saying, look, let me show you, let me tell you how this is going to end. You're going to make it. If you trust in Christ, you're going to get there. You don't have to worry about it. You are going to make it. And look, we need to hear that. Uh, You know, you might, if you find yourself worrying, maybe feeling like, Feeling like you're hanging on to Jesus and Christianity by this thread. And and maybe you find yourself thinking, I I don't know if I'm going to make it. The answer is, yes, you are. I want you to hear that good word. You are going to make it. Maybe you're um, looking at a summer, as we head into the summer, you're looking at the potential of being in a new place. Um doing an internship somewhere and being outside of your uh, Christian community and, and you find yourself wondering, how am I going to do? Am I going to make it? 
And the answer is yes, you're going to make it. Maybe you're thinking, you know, you're facing a summer of going back home and uh, into a family situation that's, that's not ideal and where you're going to be in certain patterns of life that are just not good for you. Am I going to make it? And I want you to hear, you're going to make it. Maybe you're looking at graduating and the prospect of being in a new city uh, with you know, not knowing anybody, no church home, not sure what, to, what you're going to face. Am, am I going to make it? And I want you to hear the good word that God says, yes, you're going to make it. And look, that means that you, that you will make it to being completely renovated. And this is good news. It means that one day, again, it's not now, but one day it means you will make it to being completely redone. That you're going to make it, that there, you're going to make it to a day when you, you will worship God and you won't have to deal with a guilty conscience. Where, where you'll be able to worship God without, without that little bit of doubt in the back of your mind that just drives you crazy. That you'll make it to a day where you will love people perfectly. That you will make it to a day where you won't ever feel afraid again. That you will make it to a day where you won't ever feel insecure about yourself again. Ever. You're going, you're going to make it to a day where you won't ever feel tired again. You'll make it to a day where you won't ever feel sick again. You'll make it to a day when you will never experience a broken relationship again. It's going to be okay. And that's good news. All right, we need to move on to our third point. So thirdly and finally, I want you to see that God is the one that's going to do it. Because you might be thinking, all right, that, that sounds great and everything, but how can I know that I'm going to make it? How can I know God's growing me? How can I know that I'm going to make it? Because, yeah, like you said, I feel like I am hanging on to Jesus by a thread. So how can I know that I'm not going to let go? And that's a good question, and the answer is in verse 24. Look what it says. It says, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. But the reason you can know that this really is good news, that you are going to make it, you are going to be grown, and it's because it's not ultimately up to you, and it's not up to me. It's good news because it's, it's God's work that's going to accomplish these things and not ours. It's good news because it, it's not so much about how tightly we hang on to Jesus. It's good news because it's all about how, how tightly Jesus is hanging on to us. And God says, uh, says that he's faithful and he will never let us go. Right? It's the, we're saved by the object of our faith. And not the strength of our faith. 
how tightly we're hanging on to it. So we can have assurance that we're going to grow and we're going to make it because of God's character. Because of God's faithfulness. Because of His strength and His work. Because it's not up to us. Because He's hanging on to us. And not that we're hanging on to Him. I heard um, a friend of mine telling a story about going deer hunting with his dad when he was little. And they would have to uh, you know, get up in the, this really tall uh, deer stand up in a tree. And to get up there... He you know, had said his dad would tie this rope around him and sort of cinch him up. And then his dad would climb up the tree and he would tell him to hang on and he would pull him up. And he said, I can remember, you know, when I, when I was doing that, when I was little, that I, I mean, I was hanging onto that rope for dear life. Like, I just remember hanging on as hard as I could. And he said, at some point, you know, I got to thinking back on those days. And he said, I kind of got to thinking like, you know, that was kind of, he said, I had this first little thought, right? It was just sort of, I got halfway into this thought of, that's kind of crazy that my dad would just like, let me, you know, hope I hang on. And it was like, he said, you know, as he's thinking it, he starts to realize like, wait a minute. Obviously my dad would not just like, well, I hope he can hang on. And he starts to, to think back through the process of what was really happening. He's like, he realized, you know, dad tied that rope around me and, right, cinched it up just right. There was no way he was going to fall. And he makes it to the top of the deer stand and he's perfectly safe because of the dad's work. Not, not how tightly he was holding on to the rope. I got another one for you because I couldn't decide which one I liked better. Um, another friend of mine was... Uh, Telling about, uh, they went to the fair and uh, was taking, daughters sort of wanted to go down the slide, this big slide, but didn't, but did, you know, and she said, you know, we'll go together. And so daughter sits in his lap and they go down this big slide and she's terrified. It's like she's digging her, you know, claws into him and just, you know, holding on for dear life and, you know, kind of doesn't want to do it. And they get to, as soon as they get to the bottom, He said she throws her arms up and goes, I did it. All right. How did she get to the bottom safely? Was it because she was hanging on to her dad so tight? Of course not. Her dad was hanging on to her. There's no way she's going to come off of that slide. It doesn't have anything to do with how tightly a six-year-old's hanging on to her dad. It's all because her dad's hanging on to her. That's the picture here. That's exactly what this passage is telling us. That Jesus, yeah, Jesus himself says the same thing. Listen to uh, John 10, 27 to 30. So this is Jesus speaking. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the Father are one. Right? Jesus is saying the exact same thing. That if you are a believer, you're going to be grown and you're going to make it because God is going to do it and He has His hold on you. And it's not ultimately up to us. Now look, of course, that doesn't mean that we don't use our strength. 
that we don't work to grow. We absolutely do. The Bible calls us to... The Bible calls us to work to put sin to death and to do right things. But it's only, we can only do that because God is at work. And he's the ultimate worker in our growth, in our, in our perseverance. Right? Do you notice that uh, the passage says that the, it's the one who calls, that he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He doesn't just call. He doesn't just say, come to me. He calls and then he does it. And that's good news. And so we actually can work, use our efforts to fight against sin because, because we're free to. We're, we're, because he's the one that's going to do it. So we're, fr- we're free to try because we're free to fail. Because we have the assurance that God is faithful. All right, let's, I want to end with this, these couple of thoughts. How can you know that God is actually faithful? And the answer is because of the, because of the covenant that he makes, made with his people. Now, God made a promise to his people, and I think it's most vivid, a covenant that he makes to Abraham, Genesis 15. He basically makes a promise to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to take care of you, and you're going to be my people, and you're going to love and obey me. And if and they're constantly right, so we've got this agreement, and if that agreement gets broken, there are going to be consequences. And the consequence is death. But God promises Abraham, He says, if either one of us breaks this promise, I'm going to bear the consequence. If you break your end of the covenant, I'm going to bear the consequence. I'm the one that's going to be ripped in half. And that's exactly what we see, right? On the cross. We, you can know that God is going to be faithful. Because he made this promise. I'm going to love you no matter what. And you're going to obey me perfectly no matter what. And if that doesn't go right, I'll die for it. And that's exactly what happened. And Jesus Christ comes. Right, and he... He goes to the cross because he's faithful to his promise, faithful to the point of death. And so certainly we can know that we can trust him with our growth and and hanging on to us, our perseverance. And I want to end with this last thought because we've been saying all night that this is for those that believe in Jesus. So, but what if you don't? If you're here tonight and, and you don't believe in Jesus first, I'm so glad that you're here. And, uh, we're very glad that you're here and we, we, we welcome you. But maybe you're thinking, all right, that sounds good. I want, I want God to love me and to grow me and to hang on to me. But it sounds like if you're not a believer, then God just has judgment and wrath in store for you. In, in store for me. So what then? And if that's you, then I want you to see that the answer is in verse 23, at the very beginning. Look, look how Paul talks about God. He says, may the God of peace. Right? The good news is that the God, the God, the one who calls and the one who does, is the God of peace. He's the one that, 
He's the one that longs for peace. He's the one that accomplishes peace. And He's the one that offers you peace. He's the one that does, the, does all of it. And so if you're a believer here tonight, you can know He's the one that's going to do it. And if you're not a believer, you can lay hold of Him in faith and know that He's the one that can save you because He's the one that does it all. He's the God of peace. And if you want that, it's yours to take for free. He offers you to come and take it, to trust Him because He loves you and He will grow you and you will make it. And He will hang on to you forever. And that's good news. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You for great news. We need to hear it. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time, but we need to hear it. Would You impress that on our hearts that You will change us and You will keep us and we will make it. And one day you're going to make us entirely new. Jesus, we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. All right.